Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. The 2021 Professional Football Researchers Association Convention will be held at the Gold Jacket Lounge at the Pro Football Hall of Fame during the final weekend of June. Convention speakers will celebrate the 100th anniversary of the founding of the NFL. The fee for the convention is $50 for members and $100 for non-members. The fee includes admission to the convention and Pro Football Hall of Fame, meals on Friday evening and Saturday afternoon, and free parking. All convention activities are subject to COVID-19 protocols. For more details, Click on the 2021 PFRA convention link at profootballresearchers.org. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Time for Lombardi Memories, a show that takes you back in time, into January or February, to the greatest one-day spectacle in all sports. This is the Every Other Tuesday podcast that looks back at each and every one of the 50-plus Super Bowls and tells the story of who won and why. For the fan who needs more than a box score, this podcast goes drive-by-drive, play-by-play, through the most dramatic games in history. I'm your host, Tommy A. Phillips, and you can visit my website at TommyAPhillips.com where you can find all my books. Today we have Super Bowl 13, which was held on January 21st, 1979 in the Orange Bowl in Miami, Florida between the three-time AFC champion and two-time Super Bowl champion Pittsburgh Steelers and the five-time NFC champion and defending Super Bowl champion, Dallas Cowboys. As always, we have a pop quiz and then homework at the end of the episode. The pop quiz question for today is, what unusual special teams feat was accomplished in both this Super Bowl and also the next Super Bowl between the Cowboys and Steelers? That would be Super Bowl Thirty which had something that also happened in this game. So come up with that special teams play, and that answer will come up at the end of the podcast. The NFL expanded to a 16-game schedule in 1978. That would remain the season late for the next 42 years, with the exception of the 1982 and 1987 seasons, both which were affected by player strikes. The NFL also added a second wild card to each conference, meaning that the two wild cards would play each other in a wild card game. 
while the three division champions got first round buys. The Steelers romped right through their first 16 game schedule, winning their first seven games and going on to win 14 of 16 games. They had little trouble in the playoffs, dispatching Denver 33-10 and beating up on Houston 34-5 in the AFC Championship game. They were led by quarterback Terry Bradshaw, who threw for 2,915 yards and 28 touchdowns. Running back Franco Harris ran for one over 1,000 yards and 8 touchdowns. Receiver Lynn Swan led in all receiving categories with 61 catches for 880 yards and 11 touchdowns, but John Stallworth was right behind him with 41 catches for 798 yards and 9 scores. Dallas's road to the Super Bowl was much more of a bumpy ride. After starting out 2-0, the Cowboys lost four of their next eight games and sat at only 6-4 at midseason. But they turned things around, winning all of their final six regular season games, and most of them by big margins. The Cowboys then got by Atlanta 27-20 in the divisional round before beating Los Angeles 28-0 in the NFC Championship game. The Cowboys were led, as they were a year before, by quarterback Roger Staubach, who threw for 3,190 yards and 25 touchdowns. Running back Tony Dorsett ran for 1,325 yards and 7 touchdowns. Running back Robert Newhouse had another 540, uh, 584 yards and 8 scores. The Cowboys had Five players catch at least 34 balls, with Preston Pearson leading in catches with 47 and Tony Hill leading in yards with 823. So, to start the game, Chicago Bears founder George S. Hallis tossed the coin, which came up heads. The Cowboys won the toss and chose to receive. Receiver Butch Johnson took the kick back to the 28th. Running back Tony Dorsett ran it twice to start the game, and he took the ball into Pittsburgh territory at the 47. After running back Robert Newhouse was stopped for no game, Dorsett took a pitch from quarterback Roger Staubach and made a first down at the 34. Cowboys tried a trick play on the next play, but Drew Pearson fumbled it trying to get the ball from Dorsett and Steelers defensive tackle John Banizak recovered. On Pittsburgh's first third down to start the game, Terry Bradshaw completed to John Stallworth for a first down at the Dallas 40. Then Stallworth caught another pass on the next play, but he was out of bounds. It was a great one-handed catch, but he, he was out of bounds, so it didn't count. But then Bradshaw uh, completed to tight end Randy Grossman for a first down at the 28, and then he went to Stallworth in the left corner of the end zone, touchdown from 28 yards out, 7-0 Pittsburgh. So the Cowboys got the ball back at their own 28, and Staubach went from the shotgun and found Butch Johnson for a first down at the Pittsburgh 42. 
But then the Steelers got a couple of sacks. First one was by defensive end Steve Furness and linebacker Lauren Taze. And that put Staubach back into his own territory. And then defensive end Dwight White added another sack on third down. The Cowboys had a punt. So Danny White came out and kicked it down to the 30-yard line. So the Steelers got the ball back. And um, Harris ran for a five-yard gain, then caught a third down pass to get into Dallas territory at the 43. Then Bradshaw went play axe in Foundland Swan. He got 13 more yards to the 30. But the next play, linebacker D.D. Lewis picked off Bradshaw and returned the pick 32 yards into Pittsburgh territory at the 35. So um, the Cowboys did have the punt. And then... The Steelers were, um, let's see, the Steelers had third and long, but defensive end Harvey Martin put pressure on Bradshaw, sacked him, and forced a fumble. And defensive end Ed Jones, Ed Too Tall Jones, he picked up the loose ball, and Dallas got great field position. So then three plays later, Staubach found Tony Hill for a 39-yard touchdown, the Cowboys tied the game at 7 at the end of the first quarter. So the Steelers started with the ball at their own 27. Bradshaw threw past the Grossman, who made a diving catch for 10 yards. And then Franco Harris ran and got another first down. Um, but then... After some incomplete passes, Bradshaw was under big pressure, and linebacker Tom Henderson, who had the nickname of Hollywood by Cowboys fans and Loudmouth by Steelers fans, well, he sacked Bradshaw and forced the fumble. Linebacker Mike Hegman scooped up the loose ball and returned it 37 yards to put Dallas in front 14-7. to the following kickoff went for a touchback. The Steelers then handed it to Harris a couple of times. He got five yards and two carries. Ratsaw then went long for Stallworth, and he caught it and broke away from the Dallas defense, went 75 yards for a touchdown. That tied the Super Bowl record for the longest touchdown, which was on a pass in Super Bowl V. So the Steelers tied the game at 14 points. Steelers' defense came out on fire after that score. They tackled Newhouse and Dorsett both for losses. And then they sacked Staubach and forced the fumble, but the Cowboys did fall on it. So the Cowboys punted it, and Steelers took it back to the 48-yard line. Radzaw immediately fired to Swan, got a first down at the 22. The Steelers then moved the ball further on a holding penalty, and but they couldn't get anything on the next two plays, and uh, Henderson sacked Bradshaw back at the 33-yard line. That forced kicker Roy Jarella on for a Super Bowl record 
51-yard field goal attempt, but he missed. Off the left upright, just above the crossbar, but off, off the post, so he did not break the Super Bowl record. Instead, the game remained tied. So Cowboys had it back, and Staubach dropped back in the shotgun, fired to running back Preston Pearson for a first down at the 45. He followed with a pass to Hill for another first down at the Pittsburgh 44. The game went to the two-minute warning. Out of the timeout, Staubach threw a screen to Dorsett, and he got a first down at the 32. And there was a minor scuffle between the two teams after that play. But Staubach got too aggressive on the next play, got picked off by defensive back Mel Blunt. And on the return, the Cowboys got called for a personal foul, so that gave the Steelers great field position. And then Bradshaw found Swan for a pair of big plays. One of them went 29 yards, the next one went 21 yards. So then Franco Harris took it down inside the 10 before Bradshaw fired to Rocky Blyer for a 7-yard touchdown with less than half a minute left in the half. And the Steelers went to the Orange Bowl locker room holding a 21-14 lead. The second half started out pretty uneventfully. Steelers went 3 and out in their first possession. Cowboys had a punt. Steelers went 3 and out again. Cowboys tried a flea flicker. That fell incomplete. But then uh, Staubach got things together. He threw to Preston Pearson for a first down at the 29. Dorsett ran for a first down. And the Cowboys had a third and two come up. So third and two. Staubach goes back to pass. And he finds tight end Jackie Smith wide open in the end zone for a touch. Uh, no. Not a touchdown, because he dropped the ball, and there was no one around him. He was wide open. If he catches it, extra point ties the game. Instead, Cowboys settle for a 27-yard field goal by kicker Raphael Septien, but they still trailed 21-17 going into the fourth quarter. Steelers struggled on offense, and they had been, and they still were, because Randy White sacked Bradshaw on a third down play, and the Cowboys got the ball back. But Steelers defensive tackle Mean Joe Green knocked down a Staubach pass and forced the Cowboys punt. So the Steelers got the ball back at their own 14. Facing third down early in the next drive, Bradshaw fired to Grossman for a first down at the 25. He then went to Swan for 14 more yards to the 39, before Harris ran for about a five-yard game. Swan was wide open downfield in the next play, so Dallas defensive back Benny Barnes purposely tripped them to avoid a big game. But they got a big gain anyway because it was a 33-yard penalty. Bradshaw followed by throwing the swan and getting to the Dallas 20. And then a couple of plays later, after losing some yards, 
Um, Harris plowed up right up the middle, ran it right down the gut for 22 yards and a touchdown, and the Steelers led 28-17. So Roy Jarella decided to do a squid kick on the next kickoff, and Randy White was there. That's who caught the, he picked up the ball, but he fumbled it, and he was hit by Steelers defensive back Tony Dungy, and the ball came out, and there was a big pileup. It took about five minutes for the referees to pull people off the pile. Finally, they found out that Steelers linebacker Dennis Winston came out of the pile with the ball. What did that mean? Well, the very next play, Bradshaw threw an 18-yard touchdown pass to Swan, who made a great catch. The Steelers had two touchdowns in the matter of 17 seconds, and their lead swelled to 35-17. Dallas went into desperation mode at this point. Starbucks scrambled for a first down to the 28. Then he fired to Drew Pearson for a 17-yard game. Dorsett took the draw plate for a big 28-yard game. Then Staubach hit tight end Billy Joe Dupree for a first down at the 16th. In the middle of the announcement that Terry Bradshaw had unanimously been named Super Bowl 13 MVP, in the middle of that, while they're saying that, Staubach threw to Pearson and got him down to the 7, and then immediately went to Dupree for a touchdown. So that made it an 11-point game. It was now 35-24 with 2.27 to go. So Septian comes out, onside kick. Well, defensive back Dennis Thurman recovers it for Dallas. So Staubach comes right back out onto the field, throws to Drew Pearson for first down at the Pittsburgh 30. Now it's a two-minute warning. So um, the Cowboys went backwards after this. Furness sacks Staubach, and the Cowboys were back to 14-18. But Staubach was not finished. Even though it was 14-18, he found Drew Pearson on that play for a first down. He then found Dorsett at the four-yard line, and two plays later went to Butch Johnson for a touchdown in the middle of the end zone, and the Cowboys got the extra point. They're down now only 4-35-31, but the problem, there's only 22 seconds left. So for the next onside kick attempt, because they had the onside kick, Septian kicked it right down the middle, tried to recover his own kick, but Rocky Blyer was waiting there to fall on the ball, and that's all she wrote. The Cowboys have lost. The Steelers had won. And the Steelers were the first team to win three Super Bowls with this, a 35-31 victory. The MVP, that was Terry Bradshaw. He threw for 318 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, it was the first 300-yard game, 300 game of Bradshaw's career. So, did he deserve it? Of course he did. But you can make a good case for Lynn Swan. If I were going to pick someone besides Bradshaw, 
I go with Swan because he caught seven passes for 124 yards and a touchdown. Now, who was the MVP of the losing team? Well, that had to be Staubach. He threw for 228 yards and three touchdowns in a losing effort. Would the Cowboys have won if Blyer doesn't fall on that onside kick? Who knows? But I wouldn't have wanted to bet against Staubach, that's for sure. The least valuable player, well, we have to give out this award every time. And this time, yeah, it had to be Jackie Smith. He dropped that touchdown pass, which cost his team four points. And, of course, the Cowboys lost by four points. Now, we know Smith had a great career, but this drop is what he's most remembered for, sadly enough. Now, there's no guarantee the Cowboys would have tied the game. if, I mean, they would have tied it at the moment, but would they have gone to overtime at the end of the game? Well, you have to think about it. The Steelers, if they were only up by 14 instead of up by 18, they would have played the, definitely played those last few minutes differently. So, you know, you can't say that he cost the team the game, but it, it was a big drop and he has to be the least valuable player. So, who is the best player you've never heard of from this game? Well, that's almost impossible to pick because the 70s Steelers and Cowboys are, are pretty much the best-known teams of all time. You know all these guys. So, you know, everyone knows every player in these teams, offense, defense, special teams. So I'm going to have to go with Steelers linebacker Dennis Winston, who recovered the fumble on the kickoff in the fourth quarter. You probably heard of him, too, but he's the best one I can come up with who isn't as well-known. As for the biggest play of the game, it had to be that fumble recovery by Dennis Winston, forced by Tony Dungy, which immediately led to a Pittsburgh touchdown and an 18-point lead. Dallas just has to come down from, back from down 11. It's a totally different ball game. They get that onside kick, maybe they win it. So Roy Jarello deserves a lot of credit for squibbing that ball effectively that it got to Randy White, who wasn't really a good um, kick returner. So in a few, few episodes from now, we're going to see another kicker do that same thing to great effect in Super Bowl sixteen. The biggest play no one remembers is Benny Barnes tripping up Swan for a 33-yard penalty. That set up Pittsburgh's fourth touchdown, a run by Franco Harris. You just never know whether the Cowboys would have stopped the Steelers without that penalty, but it certainly gave a big boost to the Steelers' chances. Maybe they do, the Cowboys don't even need that onside kick if they didn't have that pass interference play and were able to, you know, hold the Steelers there. But they got that onside kick, and that's the answer to today's pop quiz question. The Cowboys recovered that onside kick in the, the fourth quarter. The next time 
the Steelers and Cowboys played a Super Bowl. The Steelers recovered an onside kick of their own on a bold move by Pro Football Hall of Fame head coach Bill Cowher. The Steelers nearly pulled out that game, and if they would have, Cowher would have gotten all the credit. But that's another game for another time. Your homework today is to get this book. It's called The One Who Hiss, excuse me, it's called The Ones Who Hit the Hardest, The Steelers, The Cowboys, The 70s, and The Fight for America's Soul by Chad Millman and Son Coyne. I think the title of the book speaks for itself. This book is all you need if you want to learn about Super Bowls 10 and 13. And yes, you can find that on Amazon. And that's all we've got for this podcast. In two weeks, we will get to find out if the Steelers can win a fourth Super Bowl in six seasons. But they won't be taking on the Cowboys this time around. Instead, they will be playing against a pesky 9-17, who had to win two games on the road to reach Super Bowl fourteen. That team none other than the Los Angeles Rams playing in their first Super Bowl and not playing very far away from their home. Until then, this is Tommy A. Phillips reminding you that you can find all my books at TommyAPhillips.com and I even have a book on the Masters Golf Tournament there. But until then, so long. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians. You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.